to the Jew and Gentile podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the Jewish sage himself, the one and only Mr. Steve Herzig. How are you, sir? I am good, but I got some news for you. What's that? Do you know that while you were out this morning, of course, uh, we had a few people come in early, and one Tom Gagan, yes. who we are shortly going to be doing an uh, ad that he wrote because it's the Make-A-Will month. Yes. But he was sitting at your very chair, <laughs> your very chair, and said, Hello and welcome to the Jew and the Gentile podcast. I didn't do that that well, but he did you perfectly. Well, welcome in. We need to have Tom come in. We need to have a runoff or face-off on face-off. The, <laughs> off, the opening of the Jew and the Gentile podcast. And hear Tom Gagan do Chris Katolka. I'm actually very excited to get a break. I mean, he could come in. He, he could, could host. Right. He, in fact, notice the rhythmic talk. We're going to be talking Jewish. He could come in. He can sit down. <laughs> he can, sit he down. can talk. He we're can come we're to already the... doing cantillations, the... which is a Jewish break. <laughs> we'll come in, sit down, relax. He can go to the fridge. He, he can, can get a drink. to a drink. Get a snack. <laughs> Don't be such a stranger. Zygazent, live and be well. <laughs> He'd be perfect. He would be perfect. No, I was. I got a phone call this morning at 7.30 in the morning just to show you how early. You see, Steve makes it seem like I got in at maybe 10. This is 7 o'clock in the morning. I get a phone call from Steve, and I was too busy getting the kiddos together. And I call him back. He goes, oh, you missed it. We were in the podcast room, and Tom was imitating you. Tom was imitating. I mean, he had you down. We'll I love have it. to have him come. I'm ready to give him the job. You know, I'll just sit in the guest chair. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> But it is make a will month. It's make a will month. Who does these things? Marketer, make a will. Did, did you grow up in school at where they had an assembly? Wait a minute. It's make a will month <laughs> for a bunch of high school kids. <laughs> make sure your parents leave you in the will. That's right. No, I've never done that before. I, I never heard of such a thing. I, I did, think it's great. We're already finding out. Tom gave a report today, and we're already finding out that there's surprise, surprise people who they don't want to think about death and they don't want to think about any of that. But we've already uh, seen that there are people responding and doing the right thing, being a good steward. With God's resources, and after all, all that we have is really what he has. And so we're asking people, we're helping people be good stewards of when they pass on. Where do they want it to go? I'm just looking up here. I want to see if we can get a quick stat on, I wonder how many people don't have a will. That's a great question. We should have had Tom here opening up and telling us, while you're doing that, let me read the ad. You know, we had a contest. Yes, and uh, I wa- I lost. No, you won. No, I'm trying to tell you. We did our phone number. We did our text, 424-444-1948. And we said, text in and tell us yeah, who you think people, did it better. They didn't want to text in. I had people tell me, Steve, you're a nice guy, but Chris is better at this. Well, that was not the official. We asked them to text in, and you, my friend... Are the are the winner? Well, let let me read this. Which Tom, I'm happy to. T- Tom, this is fantastic. Tom, Tom Gagan uh, left this. He wrote it. We competed. I think you won. You think I won. Now we'll do the musical cantillations. I good soon live and be well. So here we are. Make a will month. Is uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Did you know? Now we're not talking about Emily Stone nah, here. Not did it's you not, know? Did you know? It's did you? Did know. you know? Okay. Good. August is Make a Will month. This month, long event is a time when all Americans are encouraged to create an estate plan to protect their assets 
and the people and organizations that they love. That's a very important sentence. 100%. Good stewards. The Friends of Israel has partnered with Free Will to enable you to write your legal will for free in as little as 20 minutes. So don't be late. It doesn't take long. Don't schmy around. The schmy. That schmy. That's a that's uh, one well of You got to write these I, down. They come into Aye. my head. There's Aye. not a lot going on up there. They come in. <laughs> it's funny because we're 20 minutes. You have 20 minutes. You can make a will. Bada bing, bada boom. There you go. And you will have opportunity to include a legacy gift in your plans. <laughs> that's the old uh, evil thing. We have a reason why we want Wait, you to is make this, a will. Well, where's the uh, the cards? Remember, we did a whole episode and we talked about the cards that your wife gave us of the um of the game, the kids game. Oh yeah, and yeah, it has yeah. The, uh, there who, it is. Oh, there, yeah. there who he is, is the bad guy? What's his name? Oh, the Yetzer Hara. <laughs> the Yetzer Hara. <laughs> Look, we want you to make a will. We want you to make a will because we want you to be good stewards. But yes, the Friends of Israel, in desiring to help you. It w- don't be such a cheapskate. Give us a few <laughs> dollars, you know? I like, you go right to it. <laughs> well, d- be nice. Uh, we're happy, happy to help. You know how much it costs to do a will if you ask a lawyer? Minimum, $500. Oh, really? No, oh, I didn't know oh, that. Yeah, yeah. We're, but we're not interested in that. But if you, ha- you know, if you have a little, you can give. That'd be great. So get started at foi.org slash your free will. That's all you have to do. Hey, can I tell you? Oh, sorry. There's still a little there bit more. Is. That's right. Visit our plan giving website at partner.foi.org. That's partner.foi.org. You're really getting those dots in there. I, I like want to get the dots. Have you ever missed a dot in a going Can't to a website? Can't miss the dot. You, you, you gotta, it says will not go. I know. If, oh, you, if, you're there done. Is, if there is not a dot in there. You have to have your dots in order. Now, you can order. leave off the HTTP dot dot slash slash. They w- don't care about that. It's amazing. You can get rid of that whole thing. But don't leave out the you dot. You leave out the dot at the dot com. That's boom, right. you're done. For ways to easily give stock cryptocurrency. Now, that I'd like to see. That's right. Do any oh, of I, our seven I have crypto. Have crypto? I, 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 you I have bought, crypto? Oh, I bought some crypto. So, now, I, do you know that I'm actually a multi, multi-millionaire with um with a coin called Dogecoin. Now let me let me explain something. Is this something. like Confederate money? No, no, no. Dogecoin <laughs> is uh nothing. it's like yeah, exactly. It's like I am millions and millions of Dogecoin. I mean, I could go fly around the world a billion times and live a great life on Dogecoin, but nobody takes it. It's worth about 25 bucks. There you go. <laughs> All right. Or through donor advice funds and IRAs as well as for info on charitable gift annuities. So since I broke this paragraph up and nobody knows what I'm talking about, let me just say, get started at foi.org slash your free will. Uh, also visit our planned giving website, partner.foi.org for ways to easily give. And the link is right in the show notes if you want to click and get started. Hey, Steve, I found out 2021 poll from Gallup. Gallup's latest poll finds that slightly less than half of U.S. adults, 46%, have a will that describes how they would like their money and estate to be handled after their death. Less than half, 46%. we're telling our seven listeners, don't be so crazy. Get a will. Get a will. Trust me, I I know that from family experience. You're going to want a will, and this is free. It's free. I mean, how 
do we survive here at Friends of Israel? The podcast is free. FOI Equip is free. Bridges is free. It's free. It's all free. We're giving this stuff away. We got to find out the Yiddish word for free because that's it. It's free, 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 free. Even our the wills you do are free. <laughs> Even the wills you do. When you die, it's for free. That's right. <laughs> Uh, you uh, guys, just a fresh reminder if you're listening that the Jew and Gentile podcast is sponsored by FOI Equip. We had a fantastic time on Thursday night with Paul Scharf, Patriarchs and Presidents. Geneva Bible. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Geneva Bible. Amazing. Our own Paul Scharf uh, had a PowerPoint displaying the Geneva Bible, talking about the history and the effect that it had on our country. And it was the first study Bible, he said. But actually, Chris, I know it wasn't the first study. That's Bible. That's true. The Jewish people came up with the first this study is Bible thousands of I years ago. I had my chumash. My chumash is the Torah with the Hebrew on the top, and at the bottom, we had, of course, a rabbi. Mm-hmm. And rabbi, you interpret what he's saying. It's the before Schofield, Rashi, Rashi, Rashi. Isn't it funny that Rashi and Ryrie are very close to one another? I never thought of that. that is <laughs> they am- got the it's the Ryrie of the Jewish people and it's the Rashi of the Christian people. Ryrie and Rashi. I am telling you, when I was doing my chumash in Hebrew school, people were not looking at the top of the text and then looking at Rashi. They were looking at Rashi and then seeing if God had it right. Uh- <laughs> It's true. I'm not kidding. No, I know you're not. By the way, when I went to Philadelphia College of Bible, I'm I'm two years old in Christ. We're supposed to do research paper. I go to the library of a, a, I value that education so much, and I'm looking at all the students. They're looking at the bottom of then the Schofield Bible that they were using and checking God out on on Uh, the top. 100%. And then people do that with the Ryrie Study Bible. In fact, when I went to PCB, Philadelphia College of Bible, which then became Philadelphia Biblical University, which then became Karen. Karen University, I remember we were in the library and I saw... The original Schofield Bible with nice. the notes from him written. It was in the library in the archive section. Uh, but again, that's the whole point of the Geneva Bible. It was very fascinating. This, this is stuff I, I I didn't even realize. But the Geneva Bible was the Bible carried over by the Puritans uh, to the New World, and they had notes written in it. And those notes talked about a future for the Jewish people and a future for Israel. That and. and how that played out in developing the politics of how the United States relates with Israel has itself embedded into the early history of our country. You know, the, sh- the shame, there was a shame last week. I'll tell you what the shame was. We had 375 people register. Okay, that's that's nice. It's that's really free. good. That's good. But they didn't all show up. We want them to all show What they missed out last week, they can get this week. That's right. Uh, because Paul's back, and he really didn't get into Paul's the present. Back. Paul's back, He's baby. He's back. <laughs> I like the way he said that. He's back. He's back. And uh, last week was foundational. I, I I, walked away just from the information on the Geneva Bible. I thought that was great. 100%. But this week, he's really going to get into the presidency. He only had George Washington, Turo Synagogue. I don't know if we have a listener in Rhode Island, but I've been there at least three or four times with my wife. 
at Turo Synagogue, which is the synagogue that George Washington visited. Well, that's fantastic. That's why, it, listen, if if you're listening, you're from Rhode Island and you listen to the Jew and Gentile, thank Good you. Good for you. You're the only one. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and so be sure to text us at 424-444-1948. Let us know if you're in Rhode Island. Let us know if you've been to the Turo Synagogue, or if you're in the Northeast, if you've ever been to the Toro Synagogue, what about let us the know. Philadelphia one? Oh. We're going to be going there. That's right, and you can join us on our Encounter program, which is where we actually uh, you encounter the Jewish community of the Northeast, from Brooklyn, New York, Manhattan, all the way down to South Jersey, and we actually stop by another synagogue that George Washington wrote to, Abraham Lincoln wrote to. All of these amazing presidents have written to over the, the history of our country uh, to one of the oldest synagogues that's pre-revolutionary in our country uh, called Mikvah Israel with uh, um, with our dear friend Rabbi Gabai um, and Rabbi Joseph, who always invite us in, show us around. So if you're interested in learning more about how you can get involved and to in, in, engage and encounter the Jewish community, be sure to uh, uh, to visit us at foi.org forward slash encounter. All right, Steve. Fantastic. we got well, a lot going on. I I think what we first have to do, Chris, we're doing music. Yes, we do. Jewish music. So we need to start off with the very basic music that Jew and Gentile, by the way, Chris, this is our 99th episode. It's crazy. And you know what they said? You and I said, ah, oh, that's our last 10 times. <laughs> if we keep up with it, you know. <laughs> well, th this song, Steve, maybe you can help give some context to it, because I've been wanting to talk about this song since we got started, but we've just never had time to do it. So you all know this song. This is, uh, th I mean, when you think about a Jewish song, Steve, this is the Jewish song right here. Avenu Shalom Alechem. What, what does that even mean? I mean, this actually, this pierces the heart of Jewish people. Th this is who we are, yeah. right? <laughs> We're a peace-loving people. <laughs> we, we are a peace-loving people. Shalom. Shalom Alechem. Uh, in fact, Chris, when I used to, you're now the MC, but when I used to MC, uh, I had to also lead music. Can you imagine me leading music? No, I can. You're very good at it. Ay, ay, ay. I've watched leading you. Leading music. So I would have to, most of the people who came, they love the Jewish people. They love Israel, but they they weren't that great when it came to Hebrew. <laughs> they weren't exposed to it. So I would try to teach them. Shalom Alechem, I would say. And so they, they would, you'd hear mumbling. And then I'd say, look, you got to stand away from the person next to you because this is a spitting language. We spit a lot. Shalom <laughs> Alechem. Alechem. We bring you peace. Shalom. Peace. And this song is a song that almost every Jewish person knows. We bring you peace. And Shalom Alechem. It's the, the lyrics say, Shalom, my brothers. For, uh, and it's talking about the Avenu Shalom Alechem. Avenu Shalom. You just say it over and over oh, again. That's what we do. That's it's, right. It's there's some fast food places called 7-Eleven. They're you know in and out places. Uh, seven times. Alice calls that uh, some of the music we sing today 7-Eleven music. It's seven words sung eleven times. <laughs> but well, we invented that too. That's. I mean, it's in. When we get to heaven, we're saying the same thing over, over and over again. Holy, holy, holy! And you know what? God's. I heard that already. <laughs> I know. Okay? I know. That's but our, you know what we're gonna say. But you don't. We need to tell you more. hundred percent. We cannot tell you enough. hundred You are holy. Uh, but that's what Avenu Shalom Alechem is the name of the opening song for the Jew and Gentile podcast. And it literally means we bring peace upon you. Peace 
peace, peace, shalom, shalom, shalom. And you just say it over and over again. Because look, look at look at us. You get two of us together, you get three opinions, but you get two of us together, you get a war. <laughs> So peace. We have to keep telling each other. Well, listen, uh, you know, we're going to actually the whole the whole episode today is we're going to be talking um, is about Jewish music. And Steve, you wrote IMG Israel My Glory articles on Jewish music, Jewish music capturing the heart of a people. And so I think it's I think it's an imperative for us to first, since most people that are probably listening are Christians who've read their Bible Music goes back to the time of the scriptures. It's it's embedded in the scriptures. I mean, they are not just in the Psalms, but even in the prophets, they're writing in a poetic form. So music goes back to the scriptures, and I think that's something that you you highlight in your piece here. I, I tried to, and, uh, you know, back in the day when I first uh, was saved, I sang in a group called the Mount of Olives. And they, believe it or not, they elected me the leader of the group. First of all, I wonder why I can't play an instrument, and I can't sing. That came, that made me qualified to lead the whole group. Yeah, no, but you're like the band. You know that guy in the marching band that's not playing an instrument, but he's out front with the cape and he's going like this. That's you. Uh, you yeah. know, me- you're up there leading the way. You're excited. You're flipping your thing. All that. You know. <laughs> but I think what's you know what's important. Second Samuel twenty three and verse one. King David. King David, before he was king, but King David in 2 Samuel is called the sweet psalmist of Israel. Mm-hmm. The sweet psalmist of Israel. The psalms are music. Yep. Chris, they're music. And, you know, modern in the church today, there are many uh, Jewish uh, composers, I guess, uh, who take the psalms and have put different uh, uh, music to it, written different music. It's a great way to remember. Do you know... The great hymns that are are sung uh, when my mother-in-law was dying, actually dying, laying laying there, she had a stroke. I was able to sing to her, and she responded. She responded with her. Just she recognized the music. Mm-hmm. Music is such a powerful vehicle. We go to nursing homes, in my experience, and people who are. I don't mean this in a neg- negative way, but there's people we would bring in their wheelchair. They were, they were. Their heads were down, their tongues were out, saliva was coming out of their mouth, and we started to sing hymns. They picked their head up. Mm-hmm. They knew the words. They responded to the music. It's a powerful vehicle, and the music uh, that we have in the Bible centers around the temple, the holy temple, the presence of God, the whole idea of bringing worship to God. In fact, it's such a strong thing. That when I was raised in the Orthodox synagogue, Chris, there was no in the synagogue you were not allowed to play any instrument. Interesting. None. What? Why is instruments Jewish? Jewish musicians—they're everywhere. We're going to talk about that. People who compose music, who play with instruments, who sing songs. But wait a minute—you're in an Orthodox synagogue, and everything you do is a cappella. Everything. Mm. Why? Theology, Chris. The Messiah. He's not here. Hmm. The temple, it's destroyed. If we sing anything, we're going to sing it a cappella in minor key, like we're dying. Yeah, depressed. Very depressed. This is awful. The idea of the orthodox uh, view of things is, okay, you're going to sing, but it's sad. Mm -hmm. What Nothing could be full full joy until the Messiah comes, until the temple is restored and the presence of God on the earth is back. Mm. And so 
Now, you go to a conservative or reform synagogue. In fact, I knew people in my church when I was living in Chicago who were paid by the synagogue to go on the services, play and sing, because none of the Jewish people had good enough talent for that <laughs> synagogue. I'm not kidding you. We have a, a representative in Perth, Australia, too, the Vigases, who go to synagogues, and he plays the—he's a professional— Flute player. Oh, he's fantastic. fantastic. And he goes and he even partners with Jewish people and they go around and, and that's they say you don't have to we care about the quality of the music. We don't care who's doing it. And yeah. and I've seen that. But for us, waiting for the Messiah. When Messiah comes, we can sing with full instrumentation. The that's only instrument so I ever heard in the synagogue was a shofar. It's an instrument. Uh, interesting. It's a shofar. That's the only one I ever heard. You know, going back to David, and I, I like that you talked about how the Psalms centered around the temple worship. You know, David's Psalms, uh, whether they were their Psalms of lament, there was lamenting Psalms, or Psalms of confidence, the sh- sharing his confidence in God, songs of repentance, uh, like Psalm 51. Um, psalms of messianic psalms, they all centered, like you said, around the the temple, and uh, many of the, the many of them became actual liturgy sung. They were they weren't just read in poetic form, but they were they they were it was something that was sung out loud, and they would often be used for events like enthroning the king. That when the king of Israel would sit down, a new king uh, would sit down, or the king of Judah, they would sing these psalms of enthronement that uh, that th- would go back to King David. So it very much became a part of their culture, their national identity, these psalms. And the psalms today are the oldest prayer book, com- com- comprised prayer book that we have in the world. So uh, they still live on to this very day as reminders of how what David and other psalmists wrote but then they're, how they're pouring their heart out, how it became a part of Israel's national identity, it really drives the scriptures, and it's all done in a, in a, in a music form, which is just amazing. Well, listen to what I wrote. I can't believe I wrote it. I'm reading it. <laughs> listen to me. It From was, 2003. It, it was David who organized the musicians into courses and instructed the leaders of the Levites to appoint musicians to perform as the Ark of the Covenant was moved from Obed-Adim's home to its proper place in Jerusalem. Wow. Could you imagine all the pomp and the circumstance revolved around the ark and the moving of the ark and the the music must have been amazing. David leading the way. He was a musician and he was a conductor. You know, David was also not just uh, you know, a, a writer of lyric and a poet, but he he played the lyre. And uh, several years ago, when they were excavating um, Megiddo, they came across uh, an etching, a Canaanite etching, that showed what a liar from the scriptures would have looked like. Um, and so we actually, they were able to rebuild a biblical liar. And so you can actually see, number one, that the Canaanites had the same music. It's, it's like, it's, this wasn't just a Jewish, you know, Israelite uh um, uh, you know, liar. We'll, we'll take the credit. Yeah, of course you can give. You can the Jewish people can get the credit, but it was something that was used uh, in uh, many different cultures, and so this is called the liar. And so they were. Hey, we to, have an example, don't yeah. we? We so, have an example. Do you remember the reason the liar pops up is because Saul is tormented now, and so David is chosen just before he's anointed king to go and to soothe. I <laughs> does this soothe? Wait till you wait till our seven listeners get a load of this. If, if you want to hear some early Jewish music. Here it is. 
There's the liar. That's it. Do you sound like this guy? I don't sound like this guy, but I if I was Saul, I'm already falling asleep. <laughs> anyway, the guy, I mean, he's talented. He's amazing. Who, and the liar, you could it is a soothing that's it's a soothing thing. You know, today there's people who buy those things so that, you know, it's the ocean yep. or it's a river or it's birds tweeting. Just take out the guy's voice and he's good, but take that out and just listen to the liar. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's you, you fall gently asleep. Well, the guy is very, I mean, think about it. So first he has to learn an ancient instrument. I don't even know how you tune that thing. How'd they figure that out? And then he sings beautifully as well. So anyway, that's what a lot, that's what it would sound like when David was composing his, 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 uh, um, Psalms and then putting them to music as well. There is a rhythm, a format to how the, the poetry of the, um, Psalms would also be sung as well. So, you know, music teaches us too, Chris. I know you're going to, let me just read another part. It says in the Torah, God commanded Moses to write a song and teach it to the children of Israel. The song's purpose, found in Deuteronomy 32, was to remind the Israelites of the unique place they hold under the watchful eye of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it serves as a tool to teach Jewish history to the future generations. Mm. It's an amazing thing. Songs, they're multi-purpose. And in the in, in the Bible, music is so, so important. Who wrote that? Who wrote what? The article? Well, you just wrote oh, Hey, I wrote it. I can't believe I wrote it. It's, it sounds pretty good. No, it sounds fantastic. Look at you. It's fantastic. No, I'm hey, we're just a teasing. A blind but. squirrel gets a nut every now and then, you know? All right, well, Steve, let's fast forward. Uh, we're going to go from David and let's go up to, you know, more. We were talking about your, the, you know, the Orthodox upbringing that you had, but that, you know, the Orthodox people, they might sing without instruments but boy the hasidic have a real i mean they have a joy about the singing that they do which is really you can you can feel it they're very charismatic individuals we're emotional chris yeah so you've most of our six seven maybe eight listeners i we have had someone who say i'm the eighth listener oh yeah so uh our listeners are probably familiar with fiddler on the roof so look Pogroms, pogroms brought my grandparents to the United States. It is serious business, Chris. It's horrible. Uh, the killing, the raping, the it, the burning of the shtetls, horrible. But yet, when we think of Fiddler on the Roof, what do we think of? In the midst of all that, what does Tevye think about? He wants to be rich. Yep. He's talking <laughs> to God. He's talking to God in a musical, a, a musical way. Hey, it's no crime to be Jewish. I mean, to be rich. But uh, but wait, and how's uh, I've lost the line. It's it's but it's no great thing either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so he starts singing a song. If I were a rich man, that's 
all day long I'd vidi vidi. Notice how deep the song vidi vidi voo. If I was a wealthy man, he wouldn't have to work hard. All kinds of great things come out of music. Well, and so in the Hasidic world, as they worship, they sing with a with a with an enthusiasm, and we actually have a little bit of music here where you hear it. They gotta see the video. Please watch the video because here are I don't know. There are probably forty Jewish guys around a, t- a table. Remember, the Hasidic. men have to be divided from the women in the Hasidic community. So these are all guys sitting together, and they are rapping. The lie, lie, lies. You, you can never forget the words. No. Nope. <laughs> and notice they're pounding the table. They are pounding the table. You know what they're saying? Bring out more food. <laughs> I think this is Yiddish. Oh, no question. I like this guy in the background sitting down. Ah, whatever, you know. <laughs> hey, all they have to do, if, if you're interested in any of this kind of music, Chris, what did you do to find these? Oh, just YouTube. Look up Hasidic what did music. You do? Hasidic music. Yep. You can scroll through hundreds, hundreds of videos of really good quality. Uh, gives you a, a Jewish flavor. Jewish flavor. It's loaded. It's Jewish people. Yeah. So it's great. You know, one of the things that I read about when it talked about, you know, the lie, lie, lies. It comes from a lot of the the excitement, like what you're hearing there. Uh, it comes from a char- a more charismatic form of Judaism uh, it, that even blends into more mystical Judaism, which is the Lubavitcher movement. Um, and there was a there was a sense of need, the desire to reignite a passion for God. And it happens, of course, not just in the teaching that you do, but in the excitement that you have in the worship that you do as well. And so, you know, they were, even though, again, like Steve said, there is no music there or, or instruments, there's a sense of excitement that you hear. It's fast paced and they're clapping and they're, they got their feet stomping and they're pounding the table or, you know, there's an excitement to the music that they're doing that kind of elevates them and keeps them engaged with what they're talking about as well. Uh, there's a there's a word that we've used before here on the podcast called to daven, and they go back and forth when they're praying. They'll go back and forth. And I asked a, a, a Hasidic person once, why do you go back and forth? Why do you daven? He goes, oh, it's because I need to learn. I need to pay attention. And if I'm just reading, then I'll fall asleep. But if I'm moving and I'm going back and forth, well, if you ever get the sense of, uh, you know the the music that the Hasidic community is doing. They're they're moving. They're pounding the table. They're keeping engaged with the worship that they're doing to God. You know uh, the whole idea of the Hasidic movement. The rabbi who founded it said, "We need to have joy more than following the law. We need the joy of worship." That's exactly. And so uh, Judaism is. That's where you get the expression to life, lechayim. It's to life. Everything is life, living, movement, excitement, even in the music. And even in the midst of no temple and from their perspective, no Messiah. They want him back, but they're going to be joyful until he comes back. This is a, this is kind of a, Going off subject a little bit, but you, oh, we you, do that from time yeah, to time. This one, but I think it will bring us back into music again. But you know, I, I've thought about this, and I've heard it said too before. Where you know, in in, in Jewish culture, you've mentioned this. Uh, it's all about the life right now. It's about living a life now and getting the most out of life now as much as possible now. Because you know, yes, uh, Jewish, you know, 
some Jewish people, we've been talking about the Jewish afterlife, and people have various opinions about the afterlife, but it's about now. Um, where Christians, uh, you know, we have more of a what's coming in the future and uh, and kind of forsaking this life in anticipation for the life to come. And, you know, it's interesting because I think we need to sh- strike a balance. I think the scriptures strike a balance between Jesus even said that he came to give us an abundant life. And that's not about an abundant life in the future. It's about an abundant life right now. And so, you know, I, whenever I see this in the sense of excitement in their worship, it does it, it does uh, convict me. You know, I should have joy for life because God's given me this life today to live for his glory uh, in anticipation of what's coming in the future. And so there's a balance, I think, that you can make to enjoy life, to enjoy life today, uh, and to also know that it's only going to get better as we enter into his presence. I, I think you nailed it, really, because uh, Judaism does overemphasize life with the uncertainty of what lies behind, and that's why over the last several podcasts we've been reading various things from Moment Magazine about Jewish views of death. But at the same time, there's so they love life. And as you said, Christians, eternity is a lot longer than lifespan of 70, 80, 90 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's temporary. Uh, and so a combination, you put the combination of a of an exalted future, if we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, the looking forward to eternity, to be able to worship him uh, for all eternity with, hey, however many days you have now, enjoy what you have. Enjoy your family. Enjoy when you eat. Enjoy eating. When you fellowship. Enjoy fe- enjoy it. It's mm-hmm. not. It shouldn't be a chore. If you can put those together, you'll be a blessing. You know, I always think about the Lord's Supper because I've been taking the Lord's Supper for a very long time. And I always think it's always a mellow, you know, or not mellow, a, a, a somber time. Somber. And I always think, is this the way it was intended to be? Is this the love feast that, you know, we should all be sharing in the Lord's Supper that we're all just, shh, everyone be quiet. Pass- I got to tell you, the first few since the early church was Jewish, I am sure it wasn't a just a quiet little thing. Hey, pass the brisket here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I want some matzo ball soup. That's What's right. I, again, thinking of the Lord, they're part of they were the early church, but it was Jewish. They had that sense. Uh, I think it. I think it became Gentilized. Yeah, well, it's just it's so calm sometimes, and I always think to myself, we're to do this until he comes. Well, shouldn't that make us go, Amen? Let's celebrate this together. Wait, play. Hey, we should do our hymns. Play it again. This guy right here? Yep. All right, so let's come back. Here we go. Think about it. Oh, here we go. That's right. He's coming back again. Hey, pass the pass the grape juice. Hey, pass the uh, matzo. Is, that is perfect background. <laughs> it could be today. That's the right. rapture could take place today. La, la, la. Let's, let's hit the desk. Let's... <laughs> So I, I always think, you know, it's very mellow. The Lord's Supper is very uh, 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 somber. And there is a time where you're supposed to be taking into consideration and doing an evaluation and an inventory, inventory on your life. But, but until he comes. That's right. And then you go, he's coming. I'm forgiven. I've repent. I for, I'm forgiven. I'm saved. Let's all celebrate. And I always just think, okay, we're done now. And all that, right, Chris, at your next uh, communion, when you're at your church, you're there with your family, right. they're passing the elements. Chris gets up and says, hey, why is everybody so some? He's coming. La, la, la. Join with me, I'm gonna everybody. Do this. They're going to start jumping in circles. <laughs> 
<laughs> and that will be your last day at exactly. that They're going to say, we think you need to go somewhere else. Chris. That's right. Uh, anyway, so to loop it back in um, with Jewish music, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about Hasidic music here. We've talked about David. Uh, yeah, we've got a whole list, and we've got this list on uh, on our show notes as well. But Steve, we've got some famous Jewish singers. Now, m- Jewish music is different than Jewish singers or musicians. There's a difference. We talked about worship music and the davening, and that's that's worship music. But God has uniquely gifted Jew- many Jewish people in His choosing them. There's always been a disproportionate percentage of Jewish people in so many of the fields uh, that we have, whether it's science or medicine, including the arts. And so Tablet Magazine, which is a Jewish, it's uh, more liberal on the liberal side, but they gave the top 10 uh, singers. Chris, we know some of these names. Uh, you know music better than I do. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel, that, that's from my day. Oh, man. Bridge Simon over Gar- troubled water. That's right. Michael Bolton. Now, I'm, I'm not a Michael Bolton person. Do you Michael know? Bolton is Jewish? That's what, it's on tablet. I, oh, my what? goodness. He's got the hair. Neil Sedaka. Now, Neil Sedaka, he has written some songs. He has sung some songs. He Now, Chris, here's one <laughs> from Doylestown, Pennsylvania. I know. This is in our backyard. Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Now, I'm going to give her stage name. Is that what it's I called? Guess, or yeah. her her song name, Pink. Pink. Now, I'm not talking about Crayola crayons here. Yeah. <laughs> Pink. Pink is a person. Her name is Alicia Beth Moore. And what? tell me what Pink is. I have no idea. I have I mean, I've heard her songs before. Oh, you don't know her either. Okay. Nope. Paula Abdul. Do you now know that? I know that. I know that name, Paula Abdul, okay. from when I was growing up. But then she went on to American Idol, and she became a, uh, our, a judge. Our, she's she's Jewish. I so didn't now know she's a Jewish judge. <laughs> she couldn't get into the court, so now she's in music. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. And Barry Manilow. Oh, that <laughs> one's 100%. <laughs> I think he's really popular in Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I know my mother's generation loves Barry Manilow. <laughs> lo- I can't think of any of the songs, but I used to hear him, my mother listened to. And Neil Diamond, Barbara Streisand, Billy Joel. Oh, I, number one, uh, Barbara Streisand for sure, because she would wear her Judaism on her sleeve. Uh, and, and does. Yes. Very, very proud Jewish woman. And so I, I knew that growing up that she was Jewish. And she even did. Do you remember a long, I watched the YouTube video. She did like a video with uh, Golda Meir um, and, uh, you know, and talked with her, I believe. And you know, she's a very proud Jewish woman. Uh, Neil Diamond, I knew, was Jewish. Uh, Gene Simmons from the band Kiss. You know, when he puts his paint on his face. I didn't even know face. what he looked like. Yep. He had all that white stuff on his face. He's a funny guy. Uh, um, this one got me, Steve, because I grew up on this music because my dad introduced it to me. Um, and I got sucked in right away, and I've been a fan ever since. Harry Connick Jr. He's on Jewish. the list. He's that a- blows my mind because my dad introduced me to his album, 25, and I was I, I still listen to it. It's one of the best. But I didn't realize he was Jewish. That's that's hilarious. Now, I don't know what the qualifications are. You know, that's under debate. We've talked about it on our podcast. Uh, according to rabbinic law, if the mother is Jewish, then you're Jewish. Uh, according to the Bible, it doesn't matter. Your father can be Jewish, and that makes you Jewish. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, who knows what what their criteria was, but these are all Jewish officially. Uh, 
so they could all get Israeli citizenship. That's what you're saying. I, I think so. Uh, now, now, here's the thing, too, is uh, um, Billy Joel, the piano man. I didn't realize that he was Jewish. I had no idea that uh, that he was Jewish. Here's some good ones, though. George Gershwin, that one, that I knew he was Jewish. What a famous, famous musician. All kinds of songs, musicals, oh, just amazing. Leonard guy. Bernstein. Yep. Oh. Yep. And now here's one that's important because it ties back into our encounter program that we were uh, uh, advertising earlier. Uh, Irving Berlin. Yep. Okay. So when you come with us on our trip to Brooklyn, Manhattan, Philadelphia, South Jersey, and you experience a Jewish community, we go to the American Jewish Museum in Philadelphia, which is right next to Independence Hall and the Liberty Bell. And sitting in there on the very first floor is Irving Berlin's piano, where he wrote where he wrote the songs. I believe he did White Christmas. Yep. And a lot of those songs at us goys. And uh, and the Easter parade. (laughs) The Jewish guy wrote two of the most famous gent quote Gentile. I look, I celebrate the birth of Christ and certainly the resurrection day. But it was. It's a Jewish guy. <laughs> yes. White Christmas, Jewish. That's, of course. And we all say, I sing White Christmas during the Christmas season. Uh, so, but it's just you can see his piano. You can walk right past. Which it. brings us to an interesting story about klezmer music, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we don't have enough time to go through all that, but klezmer music is obviously in the category of Jewish music, and the clarinet is a big instrument and the violin in klezmer music. So there's a joke we did last week, Jewish humor. Why is it that klezmer music is has uh, clarinet and violin? And what's the joke, Chris? I told it to you. Okay, now you're going to put it. Uh, okay, so here it is. The joke is that, well, have you ever seen a Jewish person during the pogroms leaving their shtetl with a grand piano? <laughs> Hundred percent. It makes perfect sense. They gotta walk out with their clarinet or their fiddle under. Wait a minute. The the Cossacks are coming. Wait, I gotta get my piano. Hold on. Let me get my my piano. Get my drum set. (laughs) But a clarinet and a violin. Boom. I'm out of here. They are out of there. Yeah, we actually have some klezmer music. Klezmer actually is an Ashkenazi Jewish uh, tradition in music uh, that comes from Eastern Europe and, um, you know, from, like you were saying, Russia. But it all stems from more of the Ashkenazi Jewish traditions with Yiddish. Yiddish is Ashkenazi. Um, and Ladino so, is Sephardic. That's right. Ladino is the Sephardic language. Now, I don't know if they have a music. That would be interesting. Oh, they do. They, they do. do. But I'm not that familiar. I should check it out. But, uh, you know, hey, I'm Ashkenazi. Well, yeah, that's right. You're like, ah, what? Yeah, that, I got enough trouble. I need to go to the other well, side. Well, wasn't it? We and I were talking about politics in Israel, and somebody even boiled it down and said, oh, the problems in Israel right now are between the Ashkenazis and the Sephardics. It's they're, true. Yeah, they're it's arguing. A hundred percent. So there, there's a big cultural difference. And uh, we'll have to ask Rabbi Gabai because he's Sephardic. What that, that would be would good? Be a great question. But uh, klezmer music, which I'm sure our listeners are familiar with, maybe they don't know the name, but they'll definitely know the the music. Has that that fiddle and that clarinet that just almost cries as it plays. And here's a little klezmer for you. I'm crying already. <laughs> Sometimes it picks up and they get going. Oh, yeah. But I'm looking for some spaghetti here. It sounds like a little <laughs> this Italian. Sounds like Italian. That's yeah. right. <laughs> it's too far east. <laughs> All right. Let's see if we can get them going. Fast forward a little. See what they got. There, there we, we go. go. 
There you go. Oh, they got a base there? Now that'd be hard to go. Yeah, that guy, when the Cossacks come, that, that, that guy's dead. Yeah, he's caught. <laughs> it's not even close. <laughs> Wait, let me get my base. <laughs> Leave it, buddy. Leave it. <laughs> All right, so this is a little klezmer music from Beyond the Pale. Beyond the Pale. Now that has all kind of geography and Jewish history. That's the name of the song or the group? I think that's the name of the group. Okay, so Beyond the Pale, the Pale of Settlement was actually a border that kept changing between Russia and Poland. And it was a settlement that, depending on whose border it was, actually ghettoized the Jewish people in the Pale of Settlement. Ah. So this klezmer group is taking the geography and the history which many Jewish people know, obviously, and using that either as their song or title of their group, people are automatically going to relate to it. So, Pale of Settlement. So Beyond the Pale is both connecting with the past, the the pogroms that were taking place, exactly. the music that and was the involved. Culture. That was a culture. The yep. Pale, yeah. So there, that's uh, your wife. You should tell your wife about that. that's good marketing. What's the, oh the Beyond the Pale? Yeah, I will do that. All right. So uh, again, some klezmer music. You can hear the the crying of the clarinet, the fiddle in the background. Very um, uh, uh, fiddler on the roof. Very fiddler. Uh, you know, on the it's roof. just very much a part of the culture and everything. And you throw in some uh, some gefilte fish and some bagels, lox and cream cheese. And you can't go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. That's uh, that's Jewish music. Steve, is there anything else? There just there was really no more names on here that stood out to me, but uh, just an interesting thing to think about the impact that Jewish people have had on music. So, uh, anything you want to end with as let, we let wrap me just up? say this: the, their love for music can be seen by looking at the number of their accomplished musicians. This was written a, a while ago, twenty years ago. If you check the list of musicians in the Encyclopedia Judaica. You'll see 18 full pages of accomplished composers, instrumentalists, musicologists, singers, writers, and conductors. It's no accident that one of the all-time favorite songs in Israel is simply called Hallelujah. Mm. God has blessed the world with the wonderful ability to play and hear music. We can all say or sing, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Who wrote that? I'd like to meet him. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, that is our segment on Jewish music. We hope you enjoyed that. Do a little research yourself on Jewish music. I mean, I'm always surprised to find out who's Jewish and who, you know, the songs you hear growing up or maybe you like now and you didn't even realize, oh, my goodness, they're Jewish. But uh, that could be because their aunt's Jewish or whatever. Who knows? But either way, uh, that's Jewish music. Steve, what's going on in the news? Well, Chris, <laughs> here is a news headline that just, ay yeah yeah yeah. Are we in 19... 38, or are we in 2023? Princeton students. This is Princeton University in New Jersey. This comes from the Jerusalem Post. Princeton students taught that IDF harvests Palestinian organs in a course. That's crazy. So there is a woman who is a part of the women's gender studies aye. she's a graduate director aye, she's a professor aye, aye, and aye, aye, aye. <laughs> it is a we, we you can't make this up she is saying that's the headline is what she's teaching this course saying that the idf is harvesting uh 
Palestinian organs. It's the same kind of anti-Semitic trope that they used when they said Passover was the blood of Gentile kid. It's the same mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. The blood and, libels. Uh, the blood libels. This is harvesting Palestinian organs. And look, I'm going to read a punchline at the end of the article. Uh, uh, as for the new course, Poir's book, her last name is P-U-A-R, her book was approved by the university. That's Princeton approved it in Near Eastern Studies Department faculty. However, the report stated that other academics were displeased. You think? Yeah, come on, for real. Other a- academics? Thank goodness that, they spoke up. What? I, I would. How could they even? Anyway, I'd like they, to see academics get frustrated. Like, do they get upset, or they go? Do they put their bow tie on, and do they put? And they go, "Excuse me." I, well, here's how they get upset, Chris, because I love this. Because there's one quote here in the last paragraph, and so they're displeased with the course content, and it provided quote. Zero educational value. <laughs> That's what they said. And Princeton is, it's a course. That is fantastic. It's, oh, mom, dad, look what I'm studying in school. The IDF uses uh, Palestinian organs. We're going we're gonna to harvest them. Come on. Well, and it's funny, too, because what does the graduate director of women's and gender studies at Rutgers University, this woman, have, have what does that have to do with this anti-Semitic, trash of talking about the fact that IDF harvests Palestinian organs. I What's don't one know. to do with the other? Uh, but it's it's very fascinating. Um, it says, an, an, it's upcoming fall semester class decolonizing trauma studies from the global south will be included in the book Healing uh, the Healing Humanities The Right to Maim by Jibber Puar. Its summary states that Israel is allegedly supplementing its right to kill with the right to maim, the report quoted. You know, Chris, we know for sure, not even a shadow of a doubt, there's video of it, a terrorist doesn't doesn't die. They are treated next to the victims. Israelis and the Israeli government and... They value life. We talked about life. It doesn't matter whose life. Life is valuable. They'll even try to save the life of a terrorist. Mm-hmm. And yet, yet you have wasn't an article. Wasn't the head of the person that they had to put back on, wasn't that a Palestinian boy? Remember? That's r- oh, that's right. It was decapitation. Kid, the, we couldn't believe. How could someone live decapitated? The, but it was an internal decapitation, and it was a Palestinian boy. And thank God for it. That's right. And they went to an Israeli hospital, and they got it all. Bada bing, bada boom, <laughs> and there it is. Your head's back on. Oh, no, but uh, as according to her, Israel is maiming everybody. Aye, and aye, aye. yeah, no, that's it's, it's this again. Like you said, are we back in 1938? This is the kind of stuff that is. Ma- and, and again, I, I was thinking about this the other day. We're paying for our kids to go to colleges where people are teaching this kind of nonsense. Do you want to know why people are questioning the Holocaust? They're questioning, you know, uh, the, not even just the, the whether or not the Holocaust happened or not, but questioning numbers and history and facts. It's because they go to college, and this is the stuff they're taught in our colleges. And you know who's paying for it? We pay for it. We pay to send our kids to be indoctrinated. And then they come back and we wonder why. What happened? You know what happened? We sent them to listen to the, this lady talk about uh, the fact that the IDF har- harvests Palestinian organs. That's such bogus. It's a lie. And yet 
Think about all the mo- Princeton University. Think about the money you're sending. Yeah, it's very prestigious. And then the kids come home. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly right. And so again, that's why we're dealing with issues of anti. Do you know why anti-Semitism is on the rise? It's because of this. Absolutely. But Chris, we yes, got some good news to counter that. We got some good news. It comes from the field of sports. Uh, Arizona and Kansas State men's basketball teams are headed to Israel and the UAE for the Abraham Accords-inspired trip. Once again, here we are, Abraham Accords. Those were, was that 2019 or 2020? I can't remember when it was signed. But either way, look at the advantages that this great legislation that was signed, this this trip, oh, just amazing. Uh and it was all done because uh, it says this in the in the uh, um, uh, Jerusalem Telegraph. It says, I mean, the Jewish Telegraph, when Auburn University basketball coach Bruce Pearl dis- uh, uh, disembarks his flight from Tel Aviv to Abu Dhabi next week, he said he will be kissing the ground of the Emirati capital. Pearl, one of the most outspokenly Jewish and pro-Israel coaches in all of sports, and just to say Pearl is a very Jewish last name, will be accompanying the men's basketball team from the University of Arizona and Kansas State University to the two uh, two of the nation's best teams on part of a 10-day trip to Israel and United Arab Emirates, UAE. Listen to what he said. Though his Auburn team is not part of the summer trip, Pearl said he felt strongly that he should be on the flight from Israel to the UAE to feel very much part of the Abraham Accords, the series of normalization agreements between Israel and some of its neighboring Arab countries. This should be shouted from the hilltop. So all seven of our listeners, this is fantastic news. As bad as the other one was, this is fantastic. Listen to this. As he was looking to put together Auburn's Israel trip last year, likely the first of its kind for a full Division I college or professional team, Pearl said he received an assist from none other than Tamir Goodman, the former Jewish basketball star once known while a uh, college recruit as the, quote, Jewish Jordan. I like that. <laughs> Jewish Jordan. Is that in that? How tall was he? 5'10"? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, was he the was he in the pamphlet that you got when you went to the Thunders game and it had the the guy had the Jewish no, sports book that, that that was for baseball only. Oh, that was baseball. Oh my good. Yeah, it was a pamphlet. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit bigger. Oh, that's good. All right. So anyway, everybody, that is the news. We hope you enjoyed that, Steve. Yiddish word of the day. All now, right. Now our listeners uh, might have a little trouble um, pronouncing these Yiddish words, so I think we could bring back some music. Yep. Because these are Yiddish words, our Yiddish words for the day. And uh, there you go. All right. This is the, we're not joking. We're this, not joking. These are the Yiddish words. Are you ready, everybody? The Yiddish words of the day are for Hasidic music. And it's la la, bim bam bim, vim va voom, die die die. <laughs> Don't you remember uh, Tevya? If I were a rich man. <laughs> so these are our Yiddish All words, day everybody. Long, I'd boom. <laughs> if I were a wealthy man, right? Isn't That's that, exactly what, what it said? is. Well, everybody, thank you so much for being a part of the Jew and Gentile podcast. I'm just going to let this play out as we close. I just want to remind you really quickly as we close our podcast, be sure to go to foiequip.org and there you can be a part of everything that's going on. Uh, you can sign up for uh, Paul Scharf's class, Patriarchs and Presidents. He's got his last one coming up, so be sure to go to... Get F- a free will already! Oh, go to Free Will, our website there for Free Will. Steve, what is
is the free will website. Here it is right here. It is foi.org forward slash your free will. See, we've got websites coming from the left field, from the right field, all over the place. Hey, everybody, they're all in our show notes. Thank you so much for being with us. Bim, bam, boom, lie, 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 and die, die, die. We'll see you soon. <laughs>